welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. Excited to have another episode out uh, this month. Uh, Seems like I just squeezed one in here in March. (laughs) It's crazy how time flies. So, um, quick updates. It's funny, the... um, I think the last episode I did at the beginning of this month, we talked about just processing Napoleon, our one of our boards we had on farm. And everything turned out really well with that. Um, all the finished product turned out good. We've we've had some now, and, and of course, no sign of boar taint, anything like that. So that's worked out well. And wouldn't you know it, ironically, a friend of mine who actually got a couple hogs from us several years ago, he was ready to butcher one of his. So... So we went over and helped uh, slaughter the hog. He, he had it hanging in his cooler. So we just we just did the front end part of that. So I go from years in between processing hogs to within one month doing two different processings, or actually two different slaughters, I guess. Such is life. You just don't know what you're going to run into, right? Well, um, updates real quick. The... Um, just again, I want to encourage people to check out the podcast, the Pastured Pig Podcast, and also the Facebook group. The Facebook group, I'm, I'm getting daily uh, uh, new people shining up daily to join that group. Uh, some good discussion going on there. Would like to just encourage anyone that's listening to join that group, and we can continue some good conversation. Uh, not only just about what's being talked about in the podcast, but you know, anything pastured pigs in general. Of course, the website, thepasturedpig.com, is out there as well. Uh, this, this may, I think I've mentioned this once already. I just wanted to give a um, reminder of those of you that would be interested. This may in, uh, Grady, North Carolina, which is about four and a half hours away from where I am. Uh, we'll be down at Chuck Lewis, Sheraton Park Farm. We'll be doing a kind of a day long workshop on pastured pig intro. So I know a lot of you people listening probably already have your experience in pastured pigs, but if you want to get together, talk about the business side of that. Yeah, Chuck's going to share some of his wisdom that he's, uh, that he's not gained over the past uh, several years raising hogs uh, for commercial sales. Kelly and I will be down there. Obviously, we'll be discussing our experiences with sales and marketing associated with that. Now, I know he's got a limited number of seats. I think he's shooting for 50 last time I talked to him. And I think we're getting close to that being sold out already. So um, I know we're not sold out yet, but if you want to check that out, I'll put a link down in the show notes so you can find the link, find some details there. But I know that not only are we going to have good discussion, but it's my understanding we're going to be having some good eats. So um, <laughs> that's one thing. You can't you can't hang out and do stuff in the South without have, having some good food being shared there. So uh, if that's in your um, if that's in your wheelhouse, something you want to try out, then by all means, uh, check out that link and get registered sooner rather than later. OK, so discussion today. Today we have with us uh, Andrew Bryant. He's with Plainview Farm. And he's going to tell us, uh, he's in central Missouri, so he's going to tell us a little about his setup and has a, kind of an interesting history with uh, not only the property, but just the history of his, uh, his experience, kind of a family thing going on there. So I'm going to jump into that conversation, and then we'll wrap up with some details on the back end. 
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Pastured Pig Podcast. As always, I have another great interview on tap for us here. And today I have Andrew Bryan from Plainview Farm in Central Missouri. Welcome, Andrew. Hello. All right. So um, how are things in Central Missouri right now? Well, uh, I'm actually south central Missouri. I'm um, I'm not very far from the Arkansas line, uh, uh, which we you know don't hold that against me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Arkansas is our uh, uh, our uh, I guess uh, our brother. You know we we love Arkansas, but right. uh, we do have to tease them as much as we can. That's right. Yeah. Um, we, we so we're out. we're yeah <laughs> we're just we're just north of Arkansas. Um, I, if if anybody knows where Branson, Missouri is, yeah. Um, we are directly to the east. You can draw almost a straight line from, from where I'm at in Pomona, Missouri, uh, to Branson. Uh, as the as the crow flies, as they say, uh, Branson is is probably about a hundred miles away. Yeah. Um, it's there. There aren't any good roads from here to there, but uh, um, you know we're we're not too far away from from Branson. Branson's about two counties over. Okay. Is Branson still so, the hip place it used to be back in the eighties and the nineties or is that cooled well, down? It, it had, as far as country music goes, there's not nearly as many um, musicians and that kind of stuff over there. It has, it has changed, uh, but it, it's still a pretty popular destination yeah. um, for, for a lot of folks. You know, whenever, whenever I was a kid, uh, Conway Twitty was over there and, and uh, yep. you know a lot of those a lot of those country music stars. Loretta Lynn had a house over there. Yeah, uh, you know, so that was a big deal. But gotcha, gotcha. Well, cool. Well, um, one more geography question here, and then we'll we'll get on and talk about your your actual setup. What? Uh, how would you describe the topography there? That close to Branson, that's probably pretty hilly in some places, isn't it? It is in some places. Where I'm at, I'm actually on a plateau. Oh, uh, a little bit of a plateau here. We're we're kind of up. Um, compared to, to some areas and and the county that I live in is, is Howell County and actually the the great thing about this county I love I love where I live I love Missouri one of the great things about this county is we have a wide variety of uh, geography you know topography uh, to to see here there's there's a little bit of plains um, there's some some spots that are I guess hilly I wouldn't call them mountainous you know, for, for the hillbillies here, for, for us, uh, you know, buck-tooth, barefoot hillbillies, you know, we, we think they're, we, we think of them as mountainous, right. a lot of rocky hills, you know, um, but there's there's also some river basin, really rich soil places. I don't have any of that, unfortunately, on my property, um, but but there is some of that in the area. There's there's a lot of variety, you know, here in this county that, that I live in. Yeah. Um, but uh, and, and it's a beautiful place. We've actually got a little bit of snow on the ground right now from the, the storm that came through um, last week. But uh, uh, we we get all kinds of weather and um, like I said, lots of lots of beautiful scenery. Good deal. Good deal. All right. So tell me a little bit about uh, Plainview Farm. Now, obviously, first of all, uh, as, since this is a podcast, it's audio. People aren't picking up on the nuance of your name. You actually spell Plainview P-L-A-N-E, correct? Not plain as in the plains of uh, of the Midwest. It's plain as in an airplane. Why is that the case? Correct. Okay. So the, the history, all right, now here's a history lesson um, on the property. And I've I tell people that I, I they probably get tired of hearing me talk about it, 
um, because I love to talk about it. Uh, so, so if I if I go on for too long, by no means, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'll say, Andrew, that's me. enough plain talk. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, but but this property was originally purchased uh, by my great grandfather shortly after the depression, and he he lived here. Um, my my grandfather was one of uh, thirteen children, and they lived here. There, my understanding is. Um, there was a, a house where my house sits now that burned down. Uh, and my, my great grandfather and took most of the kids and they moved out to Washington, uh, to pick apples. Mm. And, wow. uh, and my grandfather, he bought the farm from his dad. He was one of the older of the 13 children and he bought the farm from his, his dad. And, uh, he raised beef cattle. I think he did some milking, over the years. Um, so where I live now is where my dad grew up. Um, the house that I live in now, um, is the house my grandparents built when my dad was a teenager. Um, and we, well, we purchased this, this property in 2019 and had to, to remodel the house and all of that. But, um, Plainview farm is actually the name that my wife came up with because if you look out our back door, there's an airport. Oh yeah. Okay. Just just right out our back door. I mean, you can you can look out here and you can see the runway um because that airport sits on my grandfather's farm. Ah. Um my grandfather uh I I'm, I'm not exactly sure how many acres he did own at one time. Uh but in this this one spot I'm thinking that it was about 240 that he had built the farm up to. Hmm. And in uh, the early 1970s, he sold a little over 200 acres. He kept 20, uh, which is what I own now. But but he sold the rest of it um, to the Ozark Development Corporation. Uh, and now there's there's an airport, um, our, our local uh, regional airport uh, for the city of West Plains, like I said, in my backyard. Um, and then there's a, a caterpillar plant and uh a uh, couple beverage distributors. There's uh, uh, a few other businesses, you know, that are that are located back here. They turned it into a, an industrial park of sorts, um, you know, for the community. And that was one thing that Grandpa talked about. He was afraid that farming was not going to be, um, you know, something that you could do to make a living. And, and so the, the a lot of the neighbors here, they they all got together and they agreed that they would sell the property to be developed. Hmm. And uh, and so Grandpa, he was he was one of those that um, that sold that sold his farm, which he he did have the benefit uh, of renting it back. Uh, my grandfather passed away in 1994, <clears throat> and and he rented his farm back from the 1970s until uh, uh, which I was born in 1985, but but he he leased the the all of my life and then my dad leased it for a while after that and, and ran cattle on it uh, the the airport was built i believe in 1988 um but uh, so you know that was that was that was neat i whenever i was a kid we ran all over this area uh, now there's no trespassing signs up but <laughs> <laughs> right. you know but but we used to we used to deer hunt and and my grandpa was a, a turkey hunter we we went all over the place uh, because it was in our eyes, it was still Grandpa's farm, even though he didn't own it uh, anymore. But uh, right, yeah. Uh, but the, but yeah, it was it was home, and and that's the thing. I one of the things I love about the place is it's home. I've I've spent my entire life here, uh, 
you know, my, my parents' house was not very far from here. Um, you know, so I, I spent a lot of time here whenever I was a child at grandma and grandpa's house. And, and to be able to, to be here now is, uh, you know, well, it's the best thing I can think of. So, yeah, very good. Yeah. I love, I love the, the family history element of that. And, and even though it's not the whole farm, you still have in possession, the, the stories and the memories that go along with that. That's, that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah, so I guess uh, airports these days really don't have a sense of humor when it comes to maybe grazing some pigs on some of their property or just, just kind of hanging out. <laughs> well, you know, whenever I bought the property, uh, the the place had, had had grown up quite a bit. Um, my The house had been empty for about 10 years or so, maybe a little more, um, whenever, whenever my wife and I bought it. And my brother raises beef cattle, and... I asked him, Hey, bring some, bring some cattle over here and, and let them eat around the brush. <laughs> so, you know, we can get in. Well, the fences were in disrepair and, and we kind of, we kind of patched where we could. And, and uh, one day I got a phone call from the, the airport and they said, Hey, you know, we understand that you're, you know, fixing up the old house there and uh, let you know, there's a bunch of cows out here on the airport. <laughs> and my my brother uh, travels for work so uh you know it was up to me then to to go wrangle all the cattle and get and, you know naturally they they found a hole in the fence yeah uh, and they ended up on the airport so i chased cows around on the airport there for about half a day there you go uh, trying to get them back in so far you know i'm i'm I've, i may regret saying this but uh, uh so far i haven't had to chase any pigs yeah, there, so. yeah, that's a unique stress. You know, a it loose is. animal, a loose animal's <laughs> bad enough, but a loose animal on a runway. <laughs> right, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that has a greater consequence potential there for sure. Well, um, so Plainview Farm, if I've understand from your pre-screen info, this is kind of a, a new gig for you all, but this isn't your first rodeo when it comes to dealing with this type of uh, a farm activity. You, you all had a... Uh, had an operation prior to this, correct? Correct. Uh, this is our this is our second go around. Um, I was uh, I worked in insurance. Uh, I was a, a claims adjuster, and I did a lot of traveling, which I did not like. Uh, and so I I wanted to find something else. Um, and uh, I actually now now I'm in. Uh, I work for the local county, uh, but but I'm also in ministry. Um, and so that's that's what I do as a day job. Uh, but in 2013, I was able to, to get away from traveling. And my wife and I had a property that had some land with it. And we began a, a you know, direct-to-consumer type operation. That's what, you know, I, I read all the books and, you know, all the Salatin books and, and all the stuff that everybody reads, you know. Um, whenever they, they want to think about farming, which farming has always been a part of my life. Um, you know, as a kid, I, I grew up on a farm. Grandpa had cattle, dad had cattle, you know, and, and everybody in this area had cattle. Um, this was also at one point a very uh, popular pig area. A lot of people raised hogs um, in this part of the world before the, um, you know, the big hog barns took over and, and killed the, the small farm market. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, so I, I wanted to, to do the direct to consumer thing. I thought, well, that sounds really neat. So my wife and I, we, um, we jumped in, you know, with both feet in, in 2013, I 
uh, I took a pay cut um, to stay home uh, and farm and do, you know, the other things uh, to help pay bills um, that I could do. And we we raised pastured poultry. We had um, pastured eggs. We did the the pastured pork, um, which I you know I've tried out different breeds. Uh, and we we can talk about that as well. Um, but I, I sold holes and halves um, of uh, uh, pork, um, and then I also I raised uh, I raised cattle, and then later on we we started to buy some goats as well. But uh, so we we had all of this going, and we really started to take off over uh, 2014 and into 2015. We were actually I mentioned Branson before. Uh, we really thought we'd hit the big time. We, we were making deliveries to Branson. Mm. Uh, there, were, there were some folks over there that had, had through word of mouth, had heard about us. And uh, so we were going over there and, and we got to play around a little bit and, you know, take chickens and, you know, whatever over there and, and meet customers and, and do all of that. Um, well, then uh, July 1st of, of 2015, my my oldest child my, my daughter uh, she's the oldest I have four um, she was diagnosed with uh, ALL which is acute lymphoblastic leukemia and so we we went to st. Louis Children's Hospital spent 28 days at st. Louis Children's Hospital and everything kind of came to a screeching halt yeah. you know um, and so we we were there for four weeks. Um, everything else kind of was out of our mind. Honestly, I, I don't really remember thinking a whole lot about, well, I wonder what's going on at the house or I wonder what's going on at the farm. I, I honestly don't. We, it, it was all just a, a whirlwind, you know, um, actually the, and to add to it, um, uh, my daughter, she was our, our first child. Well, um, the day that we went into the hospital with her and she was diagnosed with leukemia, uh, my wife was pregnant oh, with uh, our son. Yeah. Uh, and two weeks after we went into the hospital, he was born. Hmm. Uh, so there we were, uh, which the great thing about, about Children's Hospital, uh, we were all able to be there in the room together. Uh, so, you know, there we were with, uh, with our daughter that had just been diagnosed with leukemia and our newborn son, <laughs> all of us in this room together, uh, you know, kind of hunkered down trying to get, you know, get through this, this new obstacle. Yeah. What a roller coaster and, of emotion that must have been. Oh yeah. It was, it was, it was pretty incredible. Mm. Uh, it was, it was crazy. You know, it was, you, you know, I, I remember, I remember kind of looking around. It was, it was July, obviously, uh, as I said before, and, and it was hot outside. And I remember being in an elevator, going down to the cafeteria. My, my daughter, um, in treatment for leukemia, there, there's a lot of steroids. And with the steroids that she was taking comes a lot of odd cravings and hunger. <laughs> so we were running back and forth to the, the cafeteria, that kind of stuff, uh, to get her snacks. And I remember getting on the elevator and a guy said something about, you know, oh, this, this heat is horrible. You know, record highs, it was over 100 degrees. And I thought, I haven't been outside in a week, <laughs> you know. <Right. laughs> it yeah. just kind of hit me. I thought, well, 
you know, for, for a guy that, that that's, that's what I love just to be outside and with the animals and all this kind of, it just hit me that, you know, I haven't, I haven't stepped outside of this building in a week. Mm. And, uh, uh, so yeah, it was, it was definitely a roller coaster of, of emotion and, and just a, a complete upheaval of, of life. And, and we, we had, you know, and I'll say this, we had, we had a lot of help at home, uh, a, a great deal. We had a lot of friends and family offer to do all kinds of things for us to, to take care of our animals, check in on them and, and do those things that are necessary, you know, on a farm, but you know, they've got their own lives, you know? Uh, and, and so without somebody there all the time, um, you know, naturally there's, there's going to be problems that, that go unnoticed. And whenever we got home, uh, <laughs> we got home and all of my, all of my turkeys had been eaten by foxes. Oh, gracious. Uh, yeah, they, they were all out on pasture. You know, I, I used the Salatin style pens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the Salatin style pens, you know, have the uh, the cover on top. And, you know, well, somehow uh, they had managed, the, the cover had, had gotten open. And so foxes, you know, were able to to you know, dine at, at their own pleasure. Right. <laughs> um, even though, like I said, we had people there every day, but you know, if something happens and, and nobody's there. It, it's hard to, yeah. um, you know, to, to keep track of that. And, and our chickens, most of our chickens, you know, the foxes had, had picked on those two. Uh, the cattle all had pink eye. Um, the pigs, you know, were not gaining weight. Um, they, they weren't growing like they should. Our garden, we had a beautiful garden that year um, a great vegetable garden and actually my daughter had helped me plant this garden and it was it was beautiful and we came home and it was just weeds um in just that those that four week span um it had just been completely taken over and, and most of the plants were either dead or dying mm-hmm. um you know from just the neglect you know for for four uh, for four weeks but so we we get home and, and we kind of we kind of limped along for a while. We went into uh, you know get by mode. Um, I I ended up selling um, all of the livestock uh, except for the goats. Uh, we we kept a few goats. My daughter loved the goats, and it was one of those things. You know, whenever you have a child sick like that, you you give them basically anything they want. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And and so so she did. You know, she that that was the thing. She she got nearly everything she wanted, uh, and she wanted to keep the goats. So we we absolutely sure. Yeah, we'll we'll keep goats. And uh, so, and and the thing too was she she got out and she messed with the goats because the goats were small and she was small and uh, it just worked well. But. Uh, the pigs we already had, um, we had buyers for, so we, we finished those out, um, and, and sold those, but, but we didn't buy back anymore, mm. uh, which, which I raise feeders. Uh, I do not Pharaoh. Um, I, I've always raised feeders. Uh, whenever I was a kid, we, we had a, a farrowing operation. Uh, my oldest brother thought I had lost my mind whenever <laughs> I said I was going to buy some pigs. Right. <laughs> he he remembers you know he remembers the the old big white pigs you know chasing us and uh you know ready to ready to kill you uh, you know for for looking at them crossways but 
so that 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 was his memory of, of raising pigs, and he thought I had he thought I had gone crazy. Um, but uh, but anyway, we didn't buy back any more more pigs, and um, we just kind of let everything let everything go. Um, we uh, we had to go back for treatment. We had to take her for treatment every ten days uh, there for a while, which we are. We are 200 miles away from St. Louis, hmm, yeah. uh, which is a three-hour drive, um, and and there were there were you know trips every 10 days. Uh, sometimes there were trips once a month. Um, there were uh, there were times that that she would have to be admitted, you know, for for one reason or another. And so, you know, our our life there for for two years uh she ended treatment in in september of 2017 but there for two years our life was was pretty chaotic or could be uh from time to time so you know we we just played with the goats and uh in 2017 we did sell the property uh that we we owned at that time uh, and and we we had a, a place in a nearby town uh, that was available to us uh, and we lived there for for two years, um, and, and it had a little a little bit of acreage, had a few acres there that we were able to keep the goats, um, and and just kind of play around and and heal, you know, which is which is kind of what we did, uh, you know, took that time to to recover and, and lick our wounds, so to speak, and uh, and kind of decide what we wanted to do, and um, we had we had thought about buying my grandparents' property. Um, you know, before, and then, you know, then there we sat, and uh, I I called up my aunt who owned the property. Um, she lives out of state. I called her up and I said, "Hey," I said, "Would you sell it?" And she said, "Make me an offer." <laughs> <laughs> and so I made her an offer, and she goes, "I think that'll work." Wow. And so I, I got off the phone and I told my wife, "I said, I think I just bought a house." <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, uh, "Do what now?" And I said, well, I, you know, I, I think I just bought Grandma and Grandpa's house. So, um, you know, that's then we we ended up here. We went through all of that and uh, uh, got the got the property bought, and and the house was in was in disrepair. Uh, and we we all but rebuilt it. I mean, it's if if it was any uh, anybody else's house, I would have pushed it in and struck a match. Uh, but but it was Grandma and Grandpa's house. Uh, so. Um, you know, so I I basically rebuilt the house, yeah. Um, yeah. and and then we you know went to work rebuilding the the property, um, which I've got on the perimeter. I've got all high tensile electric. Um, I don't ever want to pull another strand of barbed wire. <laughs> uh, after 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 pulling high tensile electric, I I never want to pull another strand of barbed wire. Yes. It it's you know it's night and day. It goes up so much faster. It's so much easier, um, you know, to to use. Uh, but I've got because we had goats, which I've since sold the goats. Mm. The go goats are gone, um, uh, but we had goats uh, at the time, and and they were here. And so I had seven strand high tensile electric uh, with the Speedrite six thousand I. Uh, energizer which really packs a pop yeah um i, I had a i had a, a cow one time that, that i 
I she was on the other side of the fence and I was trying to get a good look at her and I leaned over and I thought I was far enough back and well I had a big old wad of keys in my pocket and and the fence arced and touched those keys in my pocket and, and I thought I thought it had blown my leg off but uh <laughs> but uh I'll tell you I'll tell you that it will bite yeah, uh, yeah. It, it packs quite a punch and uh you know I've got ground rods uh in several different places you know they say they, there's a uh, the instructions on ground rods. Well, I've, you know, I've discovered that that ground rods are, you know, your grounding system with electric is, is your fence. Exactly. Um, and so I've got, I've got ground rods at different places throughout the property. Um, and it's all tied back into the wires that are not hot and those go back into the energizer. So if anything tries to go between the wires, you know, jump through the wires, they're still going to get bit. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's the idea. That, and that's the, the point of that is, is neighbors, dogs and coyotes and foxes. I don't want anything else eating my animals. Right. So <laughs> except for me and, you know, my customers. Exactly. But uh, but so that's, you know, the uh, the fences that we have, you know, on the perimeter and we've got woven wire around the yard. But, um, you know, because I. I, I have experienced that and we have small children and that was a requirement, mm. you know, no electric fence in the yard. So yeah. uh, from, from the wife, but uh, yeah. So, uh, well, let's real quick. Uh, I know I'm sure our listeners are probably you know, pensively asking this question, but your daughter obviously is, is in full remission is doing fine, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't no, mention sorry. that. I, I'm, yeah. I, I tend to wander as well. No, no, you're fine. So, <laughs> um, Yes, yeah, she is. She has been in full remission. Uh, the way the way le that leukemia works, that type of leukemia, uh, is it it goes into remission fairly quickly. Um, and uh, she was she was in remission 28 days after she was diagnosed, mm -hmm. and she spent two years in treatment, um, making sure that that she did not relapse. Yeah. Uh, you know that's that's the whole point, and so. So August, uh, the first of August, um, in 2015, she was in remission and she has been since then. So we awesome. are, you know, uh, coming up on seven years, uh, you know, six and a half years, seven years in remission here. Uh, she's, she's doing really well. well so yes, yeah, she's, she'll be, she'll be, uh, 10 years old, uh, in March. Mm. So, Wonderful. so she's doing great. She was three when she was diagnosed. But. My goodness. God bless her, man. That's awesome. That's good news. Yep. All right. So, so the dust settles from all of that. Of course, you you you're able to acquire your grandfather's farm from your aunt, and you're starting to put this in. So, obviously, you, you talked about your fencing. You didn't want to go the route of barbed wire. But what other changes did you make? Are you strictly going to be a pig operation? Are you still doing polyculture? Um, you know, what have you learned from the first go around that you're maybe making adjustments on the second time? Well. Uh, we are, I, I like cattle. Um, and so eventually I'd like to, I'd like to add some cattle, but if I'm going to do very many, I'm going to have to find some property to rent. Um, one of the great things about Missouri, uh, a lot of people don't realize this, uh, but we, we don't grow a lot of crops in this part of Missouri. There is some, I mentioned before, there is some nice bottom land in, in different places uh, that are, you know somewhat suitable for crop but we grow grass really well 
um, we, we grow, you, you know, you name it, any kind of, um, any kind of grass, we, we can just about, we can just about grow it, uh, and, and grow a lot of it, uh, really well. So we can pack a lot of, a lot of livestock into a small space, um, it, which is, which is great, you know, so for, for intensive grazing, um, you know, that's, that's incredible. We've got a lot of people in the area that do intensive, you know, management intensive grazing on their cattle and it, it, it blows them away whenever, you know, other people around the country, whenever they hear that, you know, well, you know, well, this guy, he's got 80 acres and, uh, you know, he's running, uh, 40 head of, of mama cows, you know? Right, right, <laughs> so yeah. between, uh, between the, the grass that he's growing and, and hay production, uh, you know, so, which, which, I mean, that's not, you know, that's obviously not the, the, uh, uh, the standard. I mean, there, there are guys that can do that. Um, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, more, more often it's, it's, you know, 20 or 30 mama cows. It, it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, that, that would be more common, but there are some folks out there that, that through excellent management, um, you know, are able to really pack a lot of cattle, you know, into a, a small space. Um, so I, anyway, I would like to, uh, I would like to have some cattle again at some point, um, because that's, that's what I grew up around. Um, you know, that's, to me, that's farming, you know, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, we do, um, this spring we are planning to add chickens back into the mix and, and, and do some, uh, to do some poultry. Uh, but right now we, we're, we're really focused on the pigs. Whenever we were uh, in our, our previous farm, uh, the best performer on the farm was the, the hog uh, operation. Uh, the chickens did really well, but they were obviously really labor intensive. Yeah. Um, we were starting to run out of friends uh because you know that's processing, processing yeah if you've processed chickens you know you need a lot of really loyal friends exactly uh, and, and that will that will tell you who your real friends are really fast yep. uh processing chickens yeah it's like, um, it's like asking an antique anvil collector you know to have people help him move all the time it's like yeah, you find that's right. out real quick <laughs> that's right yes yeah you absolutely find out who the who the the true friends are but uh you know the the pastured poultry was was very profitable um but you know as as far as uh you know pound for pound um the way that the way that the the labor was and and the uh you know factory again factoring in the labor factoring in uh, all the different variables uh the the hogs were just they were running circles around everything else um, and, and on top of that, I really enjoyed them. I, I really like pigs. Um, and my, my family seems to really like the pigs and, and that's, that's important, you know, um, whenever you're, you're going to be, uh, having a family farm, you know, you, you don't want to, to drive your family away. You don't want them to hate what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so the kids, they, they like the pigs. My wife likes the pigs. We, um, we all really enjoy them. And, uh, you know, that's, we're, we're all hands on, you know, on deck here with them. So, uh, you know, we, we're, we're focusing on, on the pigs at this point and trying to, trying to set up a good rotation system. We're still trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned before, we've got some snow on the ground right now. We, 
uh, we had we had some pretty rainy weather uh, or fairly rainy weather before uh, the snow came along and, and so i've got an area out here that's absolutely destroyed um, I, i've got a a true sacrifice uh, pasture out here <laughs> right, right, <laughs> that i yeah. you know i thought well hey you know at this point um you know instead of destroying multiple places let's just let's just leave it to one exactly uh, so you know we're, we're trying to we're trying to get the movement um you know down uh with with what we've got here um uh, trying to figure out the best way you know the best way to do that um and and i'll, I'll tell you this a, a quick story um uh, regarding fences i'm i'm like a lot of people i'm like a lot of farmers um you decide that this is what you're going to do and so instead of sitting down and rationally thinking out the, the best way to attack it, you immediately go buy animals. Uh, and which is what I did. Um, and I, I, I bought some large black, uh, piglets. I bought five large black pig, uh, large black piglets that, that I, I believed <laughs> was trained to electric fence. Right. And so I thought, great, you know, there's a step I get to skip you know, training them to the electric fence and we get them home and we, we kick them out. And that first night they did great. Um, and then the next day, uh, one of the kids or somebody, you know, I, I can't remember comes and tells me, Hey, there's a pig on the wrong side of the fence out here. And I thought, huh? Well, that's, <laughs> that's not good. You know? So I, I go out there and I'm trying to get this pig back in where he goes and uh you know my wife is out there and, and you know what do i do you know how can i help and i say well we'll go over there and, and shut off the energizer because if he got hit before he's not going to want to go back through and i'm going to open it up and try to let him through so she goes over and she turns off the electric fence and i go over to open the the area back up where they can get back in and <clears throat> excuse me and and so while I'm doing that, uh, the pig decides, you know, well, he's going to explore a little more. And I, I turn around and he's all the way down the driveway. Uh, and, and then he, you know, I, I realize I, I look up and I think, oh, well, there's electric fence right there. It'll stop him. And then I realize, no, my wife just turned it off. <laughs> and so he goes through the fence and out into the road. Uh, and, and he's headed up the road. And so I get in my pickup and I'm driving up the road. I'm trying to find him. Well, then there I, I see him kind of off in the roadside ditch there. He's kind of running around. And so I stop the truck and I get out and I'm chasing after him. Well, uh, my neighbors, uh, my new neighbors who I've not yet met, are are kind of around their house. They, they live just up the road from us a little ways. And, um, here I come chasing this piglet. Uh, and, and the piglet naturally goes right through their yard. Right. Uh, right. And so uh, my neighbor's wife, she's out there watering the flowers and, and she's just standing there watching me, you know, and I'm chasing this pig and chase it right through the yard. And um, and I, you know, I say, oh, say, uh, had a pig get out, you know, and she says, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, so I continued to chase the pig and, and which, you know, uh, anybody that has pigs has chased pigs and um you know you know that that you don't 
you don't really catch a lot of them right. uh, in an open space. And so, you know, the pig gets away and I thought, great, you know, worst decision of my life. You know, that's it. I, you know, this was a mistake. You know, I don't know what I was thinking. So I come home, you know, come back to the house and sulk around for a little bit. And then, you know, I, I thought I got everything shored up. And then, then the, one of the kids comes in and says, dad, another pig's out, <laughs> you know, so there we go again, you know, and, and well, this one went back in. And so then I'm, I'm looking them all over. Well, I had chased that pig probably a, a quarter, half mile away from the house, you know, chased him in the wrong direction, uh, away from the house. And, uh, and, and I thought I had lost him because he darted out and was gone and I, I just couldn't find him anywhere. Well, uh, I get to looking around and I count and one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> that was him. He had come back home, you know, which blew my mind. Okay. Because here he's, you know, just this little piglet and, which he was gassed. I mean, he's laying there. Once he got back in where he was supposed to be, um, you know, he, he just laid there and, and he's trying to catch his breath. And this is in, this is in the summertime. Uh, so everybody's hot, and mad and tired. And, uh, but, uh, but, you know, so I was, I was really impressed, you know, that this, this little piglet found his way back home. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. all of, all of the stress and, and anxiety, uh, uh, that we had all just been through. But, uh, exactly. Yeah, I think we probably all could share this, a similar story where one gets out or you think it's wandered off, and the next thing you know, uh, it, it usually beats you back to the house. I've, I've run into right. that in the, in the past. It's like, how did you beat me back here when I yeah. thought maybe I'd lost you for good? So, well, so and that's and that's I thought for sure that that he was gone, but uh, but that's how I met my neighbors, though. Yeah, so. there you go. Yeah, that's that's always a good icebreaker. There, it's like, yeah, I'm the crazy yeah. guy that ran through your yard. <laughs> yeah, that's right, with the pig chasing the pig. So why why did you settle on large black? I know you've you've got a little bit of breed history there. You've you've kind of played around with some breeds. So why why did you settle on large black? Well, I the first pigs I had um, before I a cousin of mine had <clears throat> excuse me had uh, some red wattles, and I really liked the red wattles. You know, uh, then I then I had some Berkshires, uh, and and those were fine too. But but I I ended up buying some large black hogs just kind of found those and thought well hey those are kind of neat and I, I bought these these large blacks and what i loved about them is they performed really well they did well on pasture um which not that the others didn't the, uh, you know they've all done done well uh but the large blacks were docile they they were very easy to handle um you know they were uh, they didn't. They didn't get worked up. Uh, of course, natural. I just told a story about having to chase one halfway across the country. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, they were they were really good good to work with. Um, and that's kind of the way the way that I view things. You know, I'm I'm working with them, or, or you know, uh, and and so we're we're a team, even though we're going to eat them at the end, right? Um, you know, we're we're still working together here, uh, and the way that we raised cattle growing up is, and, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, have heard this before, but you know, Oh, that old cow, you know, she'll, she'll run you out of the pasture. You know, she'll get you down. If you're not careful, watch out for her, but she sure raises a good calf. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was, that was kind of the mentality at times, you know, some of the cows watch out for that cow, you know? Uh, well, I didn't like that. Um, I didn't like being chased across the field, 
uh, you know, at all whenever I was a kid. Uh, and my brothers used to do that. They would hand me a bucket and say, hey, take this bucket over there. And I wasn't smart enough to realize what they were doing. <laughs> right. And uh, and so I'd, I'd get chased around by cows. Well, I I I want livestock that is easy to work with. And um, in my experience, the large black was head and shoulders above um, the others, uh, whether purebred or mixed breed. There were um, hemp's and uh, you know I, I mentioned Yorks and uh, the Red Waddles and the Berkshires and and uh, you know some other mixed breeds here and there, but but the the large blacks were just um just you know by far in in my experience the the easiest to work with and 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 they're they're a really long body pig yeah um you know that's that's another thing i love about them i love bacon and i love pork chops <laughs> so uh, you know i i think that you know if 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 i want a pig that's gonna gonna grow a lot of bacon and a lot of pork chops you know uh you know that's that's what I want is is something like a large black. But uh, what I have now, they're actually a cross. Um, uh, I've got some that are, you know, pure large black, but but also have uh, I have some that are a cross with a Hereford, hmm. um, which again the cattle background, um, you know, black baldies are, are the best kind of cattle. You know, well I've got some black baldy pigs out here. Yeah. Uh, so right. <laughs> you know they're black black white faced pigs out here. Um, and uh, I've I've really liked those. Those have those have been really, which is the first time I've had any kind of Hereford um, genetics in anything that I've raised. But um, but I'm pleased with them as well. They are they are a rooting pig. Um, I, I think that that Hereford does influence that a little bit. You know, in, in my experience with these is is they they may do a little more rooting um, than, than some of the others have in the past. But um, given the condition of the property that I'm on right now, I'm not all that upset about it. Right. Um, yeah. You know, disturbance, disturbance is what, what you know, right generates regrowth. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's what I need. Uh, and so, you know, they are, they are doing an excellent job at disturbing the soil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've I found I've, in my experience, I found that that whole uh, rooting issue is so relative because I have large black, uh, large black Tamworth cross, and oh, yeah. they do seem to be much easier on the pasture compared to what I had before, which was Duroc Hampshire. So um, it, it, it's interesting. And then also with the you know, the time of year, the topography, like I, I think at times they just love, since they're on woodlot on our place, they just love rooting up roots because there's just so yes. many flavorful roots. So they, they go after the, the forested area way more than they go the clear area. So it, it yeah. is interesting. Which in mine is mostly clear. I'm, I would love to have some uh, some woodlots, and, and we did on the previous property. But this is all um, this is all open. What Grandpa kept were you know right here next to the house. These were his uh, by and large his hay fields, um, and so um, now now they're grown up. Um, you know they're uh, obviously not any good for hay now, but um, there's a lot of blackberry uh, mm -hmm. and things like that, and, and they absolutely love the blackberry. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, you know, I've, you know, goats are great for cleaning up property, but, but pigs are really good too. So, yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, and again, experience speaks for itself, but in, in my situation, it's like, I, I need something that doesn't just eat it down. I need it out of the ground. And that's right. what I've discovered, like poison ivy. I mean, our, I thought our hundred acres was a poison ivy farm when we first moved out on it 20 years ago. And, 
And it amazes me how the pigs, they'll just, I mean, they'll eat poison ivy vine like it's spaghetti and pull the roots right. out and do all that. So it's like, as a person who's really allergic to poison ivy, I'm a big fan of a pig that does that. So. Oh, me too. Well, and that's my, my big allergy is honeysuckle. Oh, yeah. Uh, everybody talks about how wonderful honeysuckle smells. And I, <laughs> you know, I think, man, it burns really good when it's dry. <laughs> Swell <laughs> but, up like a pufferfish uh, if I'm around That's it. right. That's that's right. It You know. I've I've raked a lot of hay and driven past honeysuckle and had to stop the tractor, <laughs> wipe my face off, you know, right. uh, as a kid. But uh, but they yeah they you know they'll pull up the honeysuckle and they'll um, you know they they get after all that and they're and they're great yeah. uh, they're great at it and I, that's one of the things I love about them. So they are like I said they the disturbance is is good they um, they really they really disturb the soil and and I'm I'm really excited to see what what starts to come back in these areas where they've been i'm i'm kind of with bated breath you know uh wanting to go out there uh, looking forward to the spring when things start to to come back up and see sure. what they've uncovered but very good well andrew you've mentioned a little bit i, I want to talk to you about your kind of short slash long-term goals so like the next five years um i know you've you've talked about obviously bringing chickens in possibly uh cattle if you can get some additional land or but but what do you see in the next five years is in store for Plainview Farm? Well we are um we're hoping to to really get our uh to get our hooks into the the retail cut end of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we see you know the greatest profitability profitability. Um, most of what we have now we've we've got buyers for uh you know to to take to the processor and and some of them are are you know they're going to come get them and take them to the processor themselves but and that's generally what we've done in the past but but we're going to we're going to try to make a transition or start moving that way uh toward attracting some of the the retail cuts which i don't i don't know that we'll ever stop selling holes and halves that kind of thing uh, not that I necessarily want to stop doing that, uh, but I, I really do want to uh, get into the retail cuts and, um, you know, explore that. And so that's where I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping if you look back at us in, you know, five years, uh, that we'll have a really strong, uh, you know, individual retail cut presence, you know, in our local market here. Yeah. Um, we've got we've got a, a really good uh, farmer's market here locally um and uh there's a a a handful of of folks in the area that do retail cuts uh but but not a lot most of the people in the area they're they're selling holes and halves um folks that are that are doing you know this type of farming but yeah yeah no that's that's great that's that's good finding that niche finding that need and i assume you'll have a good usda usda processor close by that will help you facilitate all of that yes we do we've got a uh, we've got a couple uh, we, we're actually a very rural area um, our, our part of Missouri um, you know there's there's not a lot of people in the area uh, our county there's a little over 40,000 people in our county and we're the largest county for 100 miles mm, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah we are very rural um, you know but at the same time we have a lot of people here that uh, you know they 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 like quality uh which you know who doesn't but um uh but we've so we've got a couple processors that are are just up the road that are 
that are USDA uh, facilities, and and which we also in the state of Missouri we have a state program, mm. uh, state inspection program that that the USDA recognizes uh, as um, just as good as, as USDA so long as you don't cross state lines. But right. yeah, uh, but yeah, so we've you know we we've got that available and. and uh, you know, that's there's actually a lot of processors with the, the pandemic um, and the changes in the marketplace. There's there's a lot of processors that have <clears throat> that have really started looking at becoming USDA uh, facilities in our area solely because they know that that the demand is coming yeah. uh, or they've they've had phone calls. They've you know, they've, they've seen that kind of thing. So yeah. Uh, start to, to pop up. Yeah, we're excited. We had a we have a brand new one opening that'll be the closest one, closest option that I've ever had, and it's it's very state of the art. So we're excited about that, and hopefully that'll Great. be a, a good good opportunity. Well, Andrew, before I let you go, I got to ask you the question: I Ask everybody, and uh, what is your best experience or favorite part about raising pigs on pasture? You know, I'll tell you this: um, just the Whenever I was a kid, my dad would go out and he would sit down on a bucket, turn it over, and, and he would watch the cows just be cows. Right. And and I have found myself doing the same thing with the pigs. Uh, I love to go out there on a, a afternoon um, uh, in the sunshine, rain, whatever, uh, and just watch them. Uh, just watch them do their thing. Just watch them be pigs, be the way that God created them. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I get a great deal of enjoyment out of it. Uh, you know, at all stages in the the process here, from from being little piglets up to being, you know, hogs that are that are ready to go to the uh, to freezer camp. Um, but uh, I I just I just love watching them be pigs. Um, and, and I could I could waste a lot of time. Well, I say waste. Uh, I don't think it's wasted, but I, I could spend a lot of time um, just doing that. And, and the the really neat thing is that my kids. Um, you know, to some degree, I'm, I'm starting to see them uh, kind of find some enjoyment in that as well, uh, and that's that's really exciting yeah. for a for a father, you know, to to see your kids enjoy the things that you enjoy. But yeah, very good, very good. Well, Andrew, if anybody wants to find out more about Plainview Farm, do you have any uh, do you have any online presence available yet? I do. I've got a website um, that is still under construction. I am. Uh, I'm not uh, fluent in uh, web design. Uh, I know just enough to get myself in trouble. Uh, uh, but I'm also frugal. So, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so, so I've built my own website. Um, uh, but you can find that website. Uh, it is Plainview, and again, that's P-L-A-N-E as an airplane, um, plainview.farm. Uh, and and I, my plan is to have a blog there as well. Uh, on Facebook, you can find uh, my Facebook page. Um, it is uh, at Plainview Farm Mo, uh, M O is in Missouri. Uh, and then I also just started a YouTube channel, um, and it's 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 Plainview Farm. There's one video on there. It's about 20 seconds of pig <laughs> snoring uh, <laughs> as they as they soak up the sun. Yeah. So uh, I went to feed them one day, and they're all laying out there in the uh, in the little shelter I had drug out there for them uh, to keep the wind off of them one night when it got uh, really cold. 
uh, and they were all stacked up in there like cordwood. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's just snoring cool. away. But good deal. But, uh, all right. Well, man, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast. It was good talking with you. It was great talking to you too. Thank you so much. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. You have a good day. Take care. All right. Well, I really appreciate Andrew coming on the podcast. Enjoyed that conversation with him. Um, as I was listening to that again, I was thinking about something that's kind of stuck in my head, and it's maybe a little issue I've discovered. And that is, if you have reached out to me in any way through the Pastor to Pig podcast website, and you have not gotten a response from me, I have responded, I think, to every single inquiry that's come through, but I've discovered that a couple because of the, all the nuances with emails and some of the web forms that I got to get some details figured out, some of my responses may be ending up in people's junk mail. So you may not be seeing a response. You may be thinking, hey, Troy hasn't responded to me. So if you have reached out to me at all, it, there's a good chance. Um, in fact, I'd be about 99% sure that I did respond and it may be in your spam folder or your junk mail. So you may want to check that out. Or if you haven't heard from me, uh, by all means, reach out again, and, and I'll make sure that we can uh, get those details figured out. Because there's been probably three or four of the people that have requested to come on the podcast. I've responded, and I haven't heard back. So if you happen to fall into that category, reach out to me, uh, Troy at RedToolHouse.com, and we'll make sure we get that situation figured out and get you scheduled to go on. Along the same lines, I had one of our Patreon supporters ask to... Um, kind of a request that we drill down deeper that as we get into these discussions of, of people and their farm setups they're valuable resources they're good to hear from but you want to take a deeper dive into the pool as far as some of the actual details of um, uh, you know, the nuances of, of raising pigs on pasture so I'm, I've, I've actually been working on that and uh, those of you guys who listen to the podcast for a while you've heard me put calls out. Uh, I'd love to find a veterinarian who specializes and has experience in pastured pigs and, and have yet to be able to nail that down. So I'm looking for that, looking for other specifics. Um, you know, the Arco Lab's got a lot of good feedback from you guys on that. So we can look at some of those things, uh, your products, corporations that are involved in producing products for pastured pigs, all of that. So um, if you've got any suggestions, um, by all means, just reach out to me and let me know and we'll uh, pursue that. But that's what we're working on, trying to find some interviews like that to set up here in 2022. Well, as I mentioned, Patreon, I appreciate all of those people that have supported on Patreon. Uh, just just really, man, it means a lot to me that you guys uh, take the time to to go sign up, to you know, part with some hard-earned money. I know right now there's just it's a crazy economy right now. It's it's tough to part with that type of stuff. But I really appreciate those that have helped. That that goes a long way in, in being able to keep what we're doing going and obviously even try to grow it more. So uh, if you haven't yet and you, you keep uh, thinking about doing so, then just let me just give you this little throw out there, prompt you to, to maybe go to the Patreon page and toss in your support as little as $5 a month and can support the podcast and all the effort we're doing here. Well, I've got uh, I've got some good interviews lined up. In fact, the the moment that I'm recording this bumper, I'm going to transition over to another interview. So this is this is what we call high production here. So we're putting stuff out as we're putting new into the queue. So we should have stuff lined up well for April and May, and uh, and look forward to sharing these stories with you. All right. Well, I pray you all have a great week. Take care. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. 
To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.